0: Yeah, this life is all I know, and I'm still trying to learn while I grow and grow. This life is all I know, and I'm still trying to learn while I know I uh, know. This life is all I know, and I'm still trying to learn while I grow and grow. This life, yeah. Amazing, baby. Landscape of life in one portrait. Trying to build a fortress from the porches Find amazing ways to change Courses and rules, demeanor, cool Script scorches As long as my family's well Brain weaves, word tapestry, I casually tell
1: Art is a handcraft, the path from the marginate Beware judgment
2: Look We're no back ordinary. for another week of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com and MMAOpinion.co.uk As well as all of the other outlets Like Stitcher and iTunes Ian, welcome back for another week, buddy
3: How's it going, Jeremy? It's
2: going well, it's going well. Uh, it, it's, it was a little weird this past weekend, though. I mean, there was no no MMA action going on, really. Other than Bellator on Friday, we saw some glory, I guess, kickboxing on Saturday. But other than that, it was uh, no UFC weekend.
3: Yeah, you know, it kind of left me craving for some action, so... I went down to some old British pubs and watched some yobs fight in the backyard.
2: (laughs) Perfect. And now maybe some of you guys might be wondering what the intro music is we are using. Well, today is September 30th. For some of you, it might already be October 1st. But for the month of October, we'll be using music from a buddy of mine named Edgar Penwork. So uh, we're going to be using this guy's music, hip-hop, if you can't tell already. You can find his music at audiomac.com slash artist slash edge Um, this guy's been pumping out tracks after track all of his music is coming out of his own pocket and and he needs your help to just sort of get to that next level so have a listen download his stuff let your friends know as well so that we can help this guy get to that next level once again that's audiomac.com slash artist slash edge check out edgar penwork
3: I like the name Edgar. He's got quite a distinct name to him, not he? That I?
2: he does. That he does. Um, one, the big news of last week, Yushin Okami being cut from the UFC, obviously. You know, they're trying to rid themselves of gatekeepers, as Dana White likes to say. But Okami was 3-1 and one in his last four fights. And, I mean, he... he he was once a title contender. He's still ranked in the top 10, number 5 if you if if I believe correctly. Um were you surprised at all by this?
3: Um surprised maybe at the timing, but I'm not surprised at the fact that they've, you know, got rid of Yushin Kami and you know, I've seen a lot of people and I know that you have on Twitter and you know other social media networks so crying out there, you know, why have they cut Yushin Akari? But I think if we put into context the fact that, yes, he was 3-1 uh, in his last four, but if you look at them three wins, I don't think he was that uh, great in those fights, you know? Even since the Anderson Silva fight, it has seemed like he's been on a bit of a decline.
2: Yeah, and I guess, I mean, we saw John Fitch get cut, and he was still a top 10 guy. Actually, he was ranked in the top 5 easily in the welterweight division. So, it's it's not without yeah. a shock that, that they're going to start cutting guys that, that aren't producing the way they want them to.
3: Yeah, and, you know... <laughs> With Fitch, you know, the UFC do kind of look like they made the right call since, you know, Berkman went and submitted him, you know, a guy who went with, you know, Damian Meyer and Eric Silva and grappling matches, and and although he he didn't look amazing, you know, we always thought John Fitch would be unsubmittable. But the thing with Yushin is his chin, ever since that Anderson Silva fight, has looked horrible. He was dropped, you know, dropped by Anderson. No shame in that, because Anderson, as we know, amazing striker. But then he's went and looked, you know, he looked rocky on the feet against Buddy Roberts, for crying out loud. Uh, you know, drop by Hector Lombard, drop by Jack uh, And, you know, it's not that those are bad fighters by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, as Dana White said in a statement, and I think it was very true. You know, a win over Yushin Akami used to mean something. And, and now it doesn't really have the ring that it did, you know, maybe two years ago.
2: It's funny how World Series of Fighting picked up John Fitch, and then they go and they say that Yushin Okami could have a home with them. Are they just picking up bottom feeders from the UFC?
3: Uh, I'll, I'll let you make your mind up on that one. I'm not going to ruffle the feathers by saying that they are, but you know, between them and Bellator. You know, you could probably rename them UFC Mark II if you look at their rosters.
2: <laughs> well, he he wasn't the only one cut last week. We had, we had a chat um, during last week's episode about Mike Ricci, the tri-star fighter, who uh, was also a runner-up on The Ultimate Fighter, and we predicted that he was going to get cut. Well, it's now official. He, uh, he has been cut from the UFC roster.
3: Yeah, hallelujah to that one. You know, um, it's never nice to see someone lose their job, but, you know, maybe... Another shift down in the, the smaller regions for Richie will get some of that fire in his heart because he just didn't look like he wanted to be in the UFC. Um, and, you know, we are just talking about Akami there, Jeremy. He has, he has a question for you. Two years ago, if I had said to you who would win the fight, Yushin Akami or Anthony Rumble Johnson, would you have said Okami? Uh Yep. And now if I said, let's do that at the end of 2013... Are you as confident that Okami would win that fight? Not
2: necessarily, fight? no. And and I think, I don't know if we'd see Anthony Rumble Johnson down to that weight class again, but, um, but yeah, in my mind, I mean, Okami isn't what he used to be. The name is still there, but the fighter behind it isn't.
3: Yeah, and you know, middleweight's one of those divisions that's in the middle of a change as well. You know, last week we spoke about how lightweight and, and, you know, welterweight are going through changes where some of the guys who have been in that top 10 for quite a while are starting to fade out. And I think middleweight's going to be the same. And, you know, we've, I know we we had a knock on him last week after his performance, but with guys like Carmont coming up, uh, this, there's only probably room in that top 10 for one boring fight line. If you had to take a Carl Carmont, I think Carmont does have a little bit of upside at this moment in time. And I know we're going to speak in a minute about him, but... Lloro Machida coming down to middleweight as well. He's going to be taking one of those top 10 yeah, spots. Yeah, let's
2: talk about the middleweight division a little bit, dear. Uh, this past week as well, Vanderlei Silva and Chael been going back and forth and, and actually an attack, a possible attack at the uh, Olympia Expo in, in Vegas there. Um, do you think Vanderlei's sort of gone bonkers here or he just wants a big payday?
3: Well... I don't know if you saw the the statement released by Dana White today. Someone asked him at one of the media days about that incident, and he pretty much summed it up perfectly by saying, you know, Vandley's nickname is the axe murderer. What do you expect? Do you not expect this guy to be crazy? He is a crazy fighter. Um, The fact that him and Sonnen were at the same event, you know, I don't know who booked uh, their guest for that one, but they didn't really prepare that one very well, but... You know, I thought it was like 1996 by the first set of footage that we saw from that incident because that is some of the most blurred camera footage since, uh, you know, since I watched Pancreas back in 1994 <laughs> when people were just doing it on bootleg cameras.
2: <laughs> now, the opponent change for the UK show, um, which you're going to be at with Michael Bisping, he's pulled out due to an eye injury. Um, stepping in for him, as you said, Leota Machida against Mark Munoz. Um, as a pride of the UK what are your feelings on this
3: <clears throat> well you know some people are saying this is a big knock on the card and I think it is for a certain set of fans in Britain who are very much behind the home fighter you know and they and they want to see someone you know from Manchester was going to be Manchester Bispin's hometown uh, just do I think it's a bad thing for the, the UFC in the UK? Not necessarily. You know, the last two events, we haven't had a main event with a British guy in, and they've both done really well. You know, they went to Nottingham. We had uh, Stupia Miocic versus Stefan Struve, which was a hell of a fight. Uh, in February this year, we had the and burau michael Macdonald fight, which was crazy. And, you know, there wasn't really a Brit high on that card, um the highest was Jimmo, uh no not Jimmo, sorry, Jimmy Manua versus Cyril Diabati which kind of issues. And interesting fact about that February card, you know, Wembley Arena, well known in Britain for having combat sport events, held some of the biggest boxing matches. The UFC went in there without a British guy fighting in the main event and broke the uh, you know, the gate record there. You know, broke the record I think which was set by Lennox Lewis and Oliver McCall back in the mid nineties or so. So I don't necessarily think you need a British guy on there. It's obviously disappointing that Bispin's out, but, you know, Leona Machida and Mark Munoz, that's a hell of a fight, especially if uh, you're a fan of you know, high-level mixed martial arts. Let's
2: speak about Machida's original opponent, Tim Kennedy. He's taken to Twitter um, looking for a new opponent. Uh, he's not just going after one guy. He's going after the entire middleweight division.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he needs to be careful that he doesn't get what he actually wishes for because uh, if he gets somebody of an even even key... I think, you know, I think Lyoto Machida would have beat Tim Kennedy quite handily. I don't know if he would have been able to strong because Kennedy's got a good chin, but I don't know what Kennedy could have done in that fight. Um, it's, it's actually going to be interesting to see who they give that fight to. I think it's been very funny to see him try and pick fights with people on Twitter and some of them have been funny comments uh, but you know I think it's more likely we're probably going to see Tim Kennedy versus someone like Chris Camozzi.
2: Yeah, and, and Camozzi responded to it as well um, is it is that a fight that you would like to see or, or is there someone else in mind that, that would pique your interest with Tim Kennedy
3: I mean if they're going to go down that, that route of that level of opponent I think Camozzi's good but there's a guy who I think is in the same range as Tim Kennedy. You know, just outside that top 10, he's gone around his business quite quietly. And I think a good opponent would be Brad Tavares. I think, you know, I think he's 5-1 or 6-1 one at 185 for the UFC. So, you know, it it depends. I mean, can Tim Kennedy versus Brad Tavares really work as a main event? I, I'm not so certain. And they might need to, to draft in quite a big name there. Yeah, for
2: sure. A big name. We got a big show today. Um, first up we're gonna be joined by m f c thirty eight headlining fighter anthony burchak um it's gonna be a fun little interview i think we have with this guy uh he got voted in as fan favorite to headline m f c thirty eight on friday night and uh we're gonna chat with him also our next guest big fight headlining event man we got a main event show here hey
3: yeah, definitely. We've got probably, you know, we've done a few of these shows now together since we've we've come together as a team, and I think this is going to be an even better one than last week. And we had a good show last week, so you know, this is this is this is some good stuff for for uh, our our listeners are getting spoiled. Exactly.
2: By this. Well, we didn't mention who that next guest is, but we're gonna have a contest with this next one. We're gonna give away a pair of Rev Gear boxing gloves. Um, You got to listen to the the last interview that we have with Jake Shields, big big interview we got, Um, and you're gonna have to tell us is 185 dead water to him, or uh, will he be back there for another bout?
3: Yeah, you know, and if you uh, don't get in with a chance to win that, you're missing out on some good stuff because Revdiamig. Excellent, excellent boxing gloves. That
2: they do. What is excellent is this show, so we might as well get on with our first guest. The doors wide open. Every passing
0: minute is a yeah. chance to turn open. It. Yeah. Standing on my own two last lap, last run, run around the Crack chasing cap, add that to fatherhood, new career juggling, now I need multiple
2: arms He was voted by the fans to be in the main event at MFC 38 against Tito Jones, please welcome Anthony Burchak to the show, Anthony thanks for doing this man,
3: MMA sucker what up, Anthony before, before we talk the fight we just want to say congratulations, we know you had a, a, a son this week, how has this past week been for you?
0: This week's been uh, emotional roller coaster. I've had the birth of my son, the death of my friend, the the funeral. I mean, it's just been you know a crazy ride altogether. But you know, all the all the sad stuff's over. And it's time to focus on you know good positive things now. Uh, you know, MSC thirty eight is coming up. The fans did vote me in as as main event. Uh, you know, that's just an exciting in itself. The Who knows? The fans want to see me headline a card again.
2: Yeah, you were voted in by the fans in the main event. um, Obviously, for this upcoming MSC fight, that's something that we haven't really seen before. Having the fans choose who they want to see in the main event. Were you surprised at all that you were voted in as the main event, especially with the competition you were up against?
0: Yeah, definitely with the competition. You know, I I thought for sure uh, Sam Alvey was going to smoke me. um, You know, with his fan base from you know the the tough with his with his wife base from America's Next Top Model, you know, and then I thought Smolino, Smolino was going to do it because, you know, he's fighting at home, he's fighting. He was supposed to be the main event last time, uh, you know, and, and my fans and supporters really rallied together, and, and they did an amazing job of giving me that extra push to uh, push past those guys and, and be the main event.
2: Now, is there any added pressure when you're the main event, especially since this is a title fight?
0: Oh, not at all. Not at all. I don't even see it that way. This is like my fourth main event in a row. Um I mean, I thrive on that kind of that kind of environment, that kind of pressure, you know. It's uh, I just see it. I don't see it as a main event. I just see it as on the last fight of the night, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, now, you know, you're you're main eventing the MFC and throughout your career you fought for a, a number of organizations, but what's it like being an American fighting for, you know, a big Canadian promotion?
0: You know, it's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I last um, at MSC 37. You know, I had said in several different interviews and several different media channels that I wanted to be the adopted Mexican son of Edmonton. Um, you know, and, and uh, Edmonton did exactly that. I walked in there, and you know, they were shouting Burchak, Anthony, you know, it's that. They they truly opened me with uh, or welcomed me with open arms. And um, I couldn't have asked for a better support system there. The fans in Edmonton are great. You know, uh, this time I want the same thing. You know, I'm coming back uh, to my adopted home. Um, you know, I want the fans to really make my, my opponent feel alienated, uh, you know, and, and like I'm the hometown hero. Um, you know, like I said, I was really amazed that they they, they did that last time. And, and uh, it was just a really cool experience to be an American, fighting out of my country, out of my element, and everybody made me feel yet so so comfortable. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, and as you said, this is obviously your second fight for the MFC. Uh, do you see yourself being with you know this promotion for quite some time now? Because you know early on in your career you've bounced uh, around a few different organizations, you know, getting fights here and there. But you know the MFC are, are quite a solid promotion. Do you see yourself staying with them for quite some time?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. You know they they signed me to a four fight deal. Uh, Mark and Manone have given me a home. You know, I want to be the face of the Bantamweight division. I've promised them, you know, numerous times that I'm going to be the first Bantamweight world champion. Uh, you know, I think uh, they're giving me a good spot to, um, you know, root in and really, you know, build a name for myself and become a household name. Um, you know, once I once I win this world title, uh, I plan on defending it, and uh, I'm sure, you know, me and Marco will renegotiate uh, shortly after that.
2: Now you've had it. You had a your your pro career has gone very good. You're ten and one, but you lost your one amateur bout that's listed on SureDog. What made you decide to change pro after only fighting that one amateur bout?
0: Well, I fought that guy. His name is Nate Burrell. He was uh, a friend of mine for a while uh, during high school. You know, we used to hang out all the time, and you know, the road just went south with that guy. We ended up having a, a terrible falling out. Um, you know, and uh, one day I got a phone call and said, you know, hey, uh, you know, you want to fight Navarrell? And I was like, are you kidding me? Let's do it. So, you know, I took it on two weeks' notice. Uh, that was the younger me that, you know, just wanted to fight with aggression, wanted to fight with, you know, malice in my heart. And at the time it was, you know, not the brightest idea. I thought it was great. You know, I thought that's what a fight was about, was going in there and taking each other's heads off. Well, the thing that that happened was we did exactly that. He was a state champion wrestler. I was a wrestler. None, none. That fight didn't see the ground once. We stood in the pocket and punched each other silly. Um, you know, we went. It went three rounds, and in the third round, with forty seconds to go, uh, he. I'm sorry, he had shut my eye in the first round, um, and I ended up making it into the third round. And he, later in the third round, uh, he was a he was a southpaw. In fact. And uh, he caught me with a, a hook over the top when I threw a really lazy jab. And uh, I couldn't see out of my eye anymore, so the, the referee stepped in and stopped it. Wow. But yeah. um,
2: Go on, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, after that, you know, they obviously, they were like, you know, out of the pros, out of everyone, those amateurs had fight of the night for sure. They stood in the pocket, they punched each other in the face, and they, they came to fight. And, you know, we did exactly that. After that, I, I vowed to myself that I will never have another fight of the night performance, or I never fight like that for free ever again.
2: <laughs> so, would you if you didn't take that fight, would you have gone straight pro without that fight?
0: I don't think so because I would have been like, oh, I'll just you know cruise through the amateur division and you know you start smoking guys left and right. But the thing was, is like I said, I'm never gonna put on a show like that again for free.
2: Yeah, for sure. Now, before we get to your fight with with Tito Jones, I, I wanted to ask you about a, one of your past fights that you fought in two thousand eleven. You fought for for Bellator, and you won that fight. Why was this just a one fight deal?
0: You know, what, I'm not sure. I, I get that question asked a lot. You know, I came out and I and I did. Um, you know, I put on a great show. Uh, I came out and hit a double leg right off the bat. Took the guy down to his back. Uh, I got caught in a guillotine, and all I remember was thinking, "This is how it ends right here." I lose my, I lose my Bellator debut by guillotine in ten seconds. And as soon as I started going fuzzy, he just his arms and he let go. I came up and just started landing the biggest Donkey Kong hammer fist I could, I could summon out of my belly. So I mean, I ground and pounded him for the next three minutes. I didn't let him up once, and I ended up. Uh, Flipping on one of my favorite submissions and getting the finish. Um, after the fight, you know Ed West was my uh, my who has been my longtime teammate, training partner, coach. Uh, you know MMA guru and uh, Bjorn. At the time, Ed was one of the the guys that was in the finals with Zach Mikowski. Uh, for the Bellator World Championship, so you know, Bjorn Rebney came up to Ed and was like, "Hey, I loved your guys' energy, loved your guys' you know the way he came out. Like, he really came to fight. Um Never heard anything after that.
3: Wow, that's that's a bit crazy. You know, we sometimes hear that about Bellator that they keep signing fighters on one fight contracts and they they do well and then they don't give them a fight. But um, I'm I'm a bit of a, a fan of of uh, the smaller events in Brazil, honestly. And I remember first seeing you. Uh, And it's probably a bad memory for you because it was your only loss of your career, but it was at Amazon Fighting Championships 1 in Brazil, which a lot of people don't realise was actually a really stacked card. You know, there were some good fighters on there like Ricardo Arona and Highlight Gracie and Ueda fought in the main event. Um, You know, we see the the UFC go to Brazil and we can tell the fans there are crazy, but what was it like going down to a, a more of a grassroots level? Well, You know, were the fans crazy?
0: Oh man, yeah, the fans you know, and, and it wasn't that they were hostile. I don't speak Portuguese so they they could have been hostile. They they could have been screaming things at me in Portuguese that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have liked to hear, you know, but uh man, I knew I felt that I belonged there, you know what I mean? Walking out to fifteen thousand people just screaming their heads off, wanting to see a fight, stepping in that, that arena and you know, just really feeling the thunder of the crowd I remember, uh, he took me down and the crowd went, oh, and I was like, wow, that was really cool. <laughs> so I was, you know, I, I think that was another younger me, you know what I mean? It was a bad experience. Um, I went up a weight class, uh, and fought at 145 because I thought I was, you know, the king of the world, six and oh with, uh, you know, five submission finishes and, um, you know, I they talked me into going up a weight class to fight George Clay, who has the third-longest MMA career in history. He's currently, like, 16-2. and two. I'm the last win on his record right now. You know, but they were like, you know, you're young. He's been sitting on the couch for three years. He's, like, 38. You're going to outpace him. You know, you're going to outpace him. You're going to outwin it. So, you know, they talked me into it. I didn't have to cut much weight for that. And uh, you know, we went down there, there was a lot of a lot of B S with my passport, a lot of BS with my visa. I didn't get my passport till like the day that I was leaving to the airport for the fight. I didn't even know if I was gonna get in. So, um, you know, it was a stressful situation. I get down there, I feel really good. Like I said, I felt like I belonged there in front of the crowd and you know, it was just one of those things that didn't pan out and you know, that was a younger me. I've I've taken a different, you know, step of my career and every time that I've had a loss or a learning experience. I've always gone on a six-fight win streak shortly after, or you know, turned it around and really learned from my losses. You know, not a lot of fighters can do that, and that's something that I really do. Uh, I'm a very cerebral, cerebral fighter. I look back, assess what I did, assess what changed, assess what was, you know, the, the the driving force behind the negativity, and I change it.
2: For sure. Now, MFC 38, you're set to take on Tito Jones in the main event, as we said. Um, what do you know about your opponent, and do you feel he is worthy with a 10-6 and 6 record to be fighting you for the belt?
0: You know, I, I've seen Keto Jones fight live here in Arizona. We were actually supposed to be matched up uh, last year, September 15th. Um, they, the only thing is the matchup was like a really, really short notice for me. Um, I was supposed to be main event uh, fighting for um, a Bantamweight title here in Arizona for a local promotion. Uh, they went through like four opponents. And you know each opponent would like pull out or get hurt, or I would you know be, ah, they don't want to take the fight. You know you're on a you're on a hot streak right now, and uh, with like a week and a half left, they called me and they were like, hey, uh, we got a guy that said yes, Tito Jones wants to fight you. He's out of ACS out in uh, Arizona Combat Sports, um, where formerly Ryan Vader, CB Dalloway, Jamie Varner, all those guys were from. And uh, you know they were like, you know are you are you down to take the fight? I looked at my coaches. I was like, "Hey," I said, "You know, I want to fight. I've been training." And they were like, "Yeah, but this is the thing: is the guy's of southpaw. We've been training for an orthodox fighter this entire time. So all your tactics, all your skills are are based off of uh, you know fighting an orthodox guy. We don't like the matchup, especially a week out." So that was said uh, said and done. You know, Tito ended up finding they ended up finding a guy for Tito a week out. It was actually supposed to be Ed West. Bellator gave him the green light to fight outside of the organization. Ed West tweaks his back. There was just like this fight just had so much bullshit around it. It was insane. Um, and then uh, they ended up finding a fighter named Larry DeJulio out of Chicago. Now I watched that fight. Larry chased Tito Jones for for three rounds. Uh, Tito Jones, all he did was wait till Larry overcommitted to a shot or overcommitted to a combination and counterboxed the hell out of him. You know, he made uh, he made Larry feel a sense of urgency that that wasn't really necessary. I mean, if you can stalk a guy and walk him down and cut off the ring, there shouldn't be no reason why, why the initiator and the aggressor should not win the fight. And, uh, you know, I thought his hands looked very crisp. I thought um, I thought his, his motion was kind of predictable. He runs, he runs, he runs, he stops, throws a combination, runs, 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 stops, throws a combination. Um, you know, I think I'm a little bit smarter than, than his previous opponent, and I think him, you know, uh, being on the sidelines for a full year while I've been active, is is going to play a big part come uh, come next Friday.
3: Yeah, you know, you're saying that he's been, he's been out for a, a year there. And, you know, it's often, we say it sometimes, fighters struggle after having long periods out of the cage and then coming back in. But, you know, without giving a, a specific game plan away, is there a specific area within the cage where you think you're going to have a massive advantage over him? I know you are saying there the pace and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think I think uh, you know my pace, my takedowns. You know he's he's got he's had some pretty decent takedown defense. With that being said, he's never fought a high caliber wrestler like myself. These guys, if you watch the videos on YouTube of, of him getting taken down, these guys are shooting from their mama's house. These guys take a shot, and I could see this thing coming from Alberta right now. Like these, you know. And he's getting taken down with his shots. He is doing a very good job of getting immediately back up and making that guy feel, you know, pretty pretty worn out that he just took a shot, took the guy down, and, and he don't bounce back up. But, you know, I think the pace, I think me actually being able to cut the ring off, the ring is a lot easier to cut off your opponent than a cage. You know, I think, um, I think I'm think i not going to be able to let him, you know, run the cage so much. Uh, I put Frank Trigg, you know, he's the gazelle, I'm the lion. Uh, you know, eventually the lion will always get to gazelle.
3: <laughs> and, and finally, you know, before we let you go, and we do thank you for your time, Anthony, just something you, you touched on there. Um, and I know it's something that a lot of people have been asking, uh, Mark Pavlich, and he feels it's the best thing for the fans to have the ring. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of used now, more MMA organizations are using the cage. So, you know, the, the, the real question here is, what do you prefer, the ring or the cage? Uh, I prefer the cage
0: completely, but I I believe the ring. Um, I think what what Pavlis is saying is the ring creates the ring almost forces a fighter to fight. You know what I'm saying? Because if you have a good guy that knows how to how to run and create space and, and counter box, and you have a guy that likes to come forward and is a bull, that bull's going to cut that corner. He's going to cut that guy off eventually, and that guy is eventually going to have to throw a combination and get into uh, a scenario where one of those guys are going to sleep you know and i think uh, it forces a fighter to come forward it forces a fighter to to engage in the fight more than a cage you can sit back and kind of you know uh, defend from the cage i mean you can do that on the ropes as well but the takedowns are a little easier uh, off the ropes in my opinion
2: we'll see how that all plays out he is anthony burchak and he's fighting at mfc38 live on access t v against Tito Jones, man, it's been a pleasure chatting with you this afternoon um and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe and any sponsors you'd like to give shout outs to
0: for sure, hey guys, I'm super interactive with my fans uh Canadians Americans, Mexicans, whoever it is. Please follow me on Twitter at MMA. Also go to the Anthony Burchak fan page, facebook.com backslash Anthony Burchak. I think I'm like uh, a couple likes short short of like 1,040 right now. Uh, I'd like to get to 1,100 fans before next Friday. So go click like, uh, keep up with the news. Um, Like I said, if you guys want to message me, shout me out. I'm super interactive. I'll shout you out right back uh you know we can be at online and stuff um i got to thank my sponsors my urban swagger um uh, my custom jewelry sponsor my custom diamond and jewelry sponsor out of dubai um i want to thank the night force training and tactical here in tucson that have been a, a great help um the official clothing sponsor of anthony Burchak, contract killer we got some big things we're going to we're going to unveil uh next friday that contract Killer's going to be that's been working on um, my my management Lute elite sports management uh, go to dot Check our team out. Check our sponsors out. Check out what, what everyone's all about. Um, also, Soapalicious, Mentum Eyewear, um, Cellucor, uh, Vibram Five Fingers, Sweet Sweat. My barber, Jaime uh, at Stay Slide Barber, he just gave me a nice chop up today, so I'll be looking nice and fresh for October 4th. Man, oh, and Clench Mouth Dogs. Clench Mouth Dogs hooked me up, too. You must
2: have had that list right in front of you. That's a ton of sponsors. Yeah,
0: but I'm I'm standing out in my driveway. I just did that off the top of my head. I was trying to picture my banner right now.
2: (laughs) Awesome, Anthony. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, and good luck next Friday night.
0: All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
2: Man, that kid is fired up to be in the main event at MFC 38 next Friday.
3: Yeah, you know... I'm not obviously familiar too much with MFC. I, I obviously know about the promotion. We don't really get coverage over here in the UK, but that guy's a, a barrel of fun.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's it's exciting to hear him talk about, you know, he's fought for other promotions, and, and it's just been one-fight deals like Bellator. Like, It surprised me that the kid goes in there, he wins his fight, and then nothing comes of it. So getting him in with the MFC, and and he's had two fights there now, well, this one will be his second. If he wins the title, I don't see him leaving unless a big-name promotion ends up picking him up.
3: Yeah, I I, I do think, you know, I, as I said, I had some fight before. I had to recap my memory when when looking through his uh, record. I'd seen him fight, and unfortunately for him, it was his loss to... Uh somebody in that Amazon fight card because that card was amazing. You know, he he might not really realize that, but for a local Brazilian card, the one that he fought on was absolutely outrageously stacked with big names. So uh, I definitely think a a win at MFC, maybe a couple of defenses. He could definitely be UFC bound with his record.
2: Yeah. I mean, at 10 and one right now, you got to think that if he's 10 and one, he wins the belt. He's 11 and one. He's on something like a four or five fight winning streak. Uh, the UFC would probably be calling fairly soon.
3: Oh, definitely. And, you know, he said he had a, what was it, a four-fight contract? Yeah, I believe so. So, you know, if, if he sees out the next three fights, you know, he's already had one. That's going to put him in a position to probably, you know, negotiate with the UFC. And as we've seen, you know, Bantamweight, outside the top seven or eight that that they've got in the UFC, it's fair game with anybody else. You know, guys like... Eric Perez that people talk about being highly rated. He's just gone and lost to Mitsugaki, who people are calling a gatekeeper a couple of fights ago. So, you know, there's no, you know, there's nothing there to say that Anthony Birchak might not be the next big 135er out there.
2: Exactly. And we have heard, you know, Mark Pavlich doesn't like to be called the, the guy that feeds fighters to the UFC, but we have seen him turn away on those four fight contracts and, and whatnot and letting his guys go fight for the big dog.
3: Oh yeah definitely. And, you know I respect Mark Pavlich a lot and you know it it obviously it's hard to, to let go of somebody who could potentially be great but you know every MMA promotion has to to realize that the UFC is the the golden trail at the end of a rainbow for a lot of people. Um and there's no harm in a promotion being a a feeder league to the big leagues. You know we've seen that with uh Resurrection Fighting Alliance or the RFA as people like to call it. You know, guys like Sergio Pettis are there. And we're even seeing guys that are being released by the UFC who aren't terrible fighters are signing with the RFA and they're going to get more experience and they're probably going to get brought back.
2: Exactly. It's not a bad thing because you're known as that organization that will, will push the guys
3: over there. Yeah, and it, it doesn't help to have Ed Soares on the, the presidential suite of the RFA. So, you know, Canada's a... I know Chuck isn't Can- Canadian, but Canada's a hotbed for MMA. We all know that we need you know we need to find somebody in, obviously not me personally but the canadians need to find somebody who can take over george st pierre's role of being the charismatic you know canadian who can carry big events up there because you know george is what 33 years old now yeah i don't see george being somebody who's going to be sticking around the same length of time as a dan henderson or a randy couture
2: not at all um a guy who is going to be headlining a main event is our next guest uh, Jake Shields, we have coming up on the line right after this.
0: It's in the air, you can feel it here. Uh, it's, in air, feel it here. Uh, it's in the air, you can feel it here. Even with
2: your eyes wide shut, you can see it clear, yeah. It's in the air, you can feel
1: the head Verbally rich, but
2: we're not quite new. Our next guest is fighting in the main event at UFC Fight Night 29 against Damian Maya. Please welcome to the show Jake Shields. Jake, thanks for taking the time out from training to do this for us, man.
1: Hey, man. No problem, man. How are you doing?
2: Doing well. Now, just take us back a little bit before we get into your upcoming bout. You were on an absolute tear coming into your UFC debut which you ended up winning against Martin Campman. Then you went on to lose your next two bouts against G S P and Jake Allenberger. What exactly did you learn from those two losses, which pretty much eventually got you on what I'd like to call a three fight win streak?
1: Yeah, you know, just a little rough batch that happened, you know. The G S P one I felt like it was uh you know, I think he's just a great fighter. I don't feel like it did terrible, you know, I was able to, you know, win last couple of rounds. But I think he's just phenomenal what he does and and did a great job and Ellenberger won. I feel like it's went up there and uh a little wild, a little reckless. And, know uh, it just caught a knee. That's personally someone I'd love to fight again. I feel like I could beat him. And now I'm just trying to go back and, uh, and, you know, get everything back on track and, and winning again.
2: In your last outing, we saw you against Tyron Woodley at UFC 161. You won the split decision. Were you happy with your performance?
1: Um, no, I thought I couldn't. I mean, I was happy I won, but I thought I could have done better. Just, I just think he was, uh, he was a really tough guy. style of sweet fight. I knew that going in and being such a good wrestler and being, uh, you know, defensive striker, not wanting to take it to the ground and, you know, backing up the way he was fighting just made it really, really difficult. So it was a, so it was a tough fight, you know, was, I felt like I was able to push the fight and uh, and win the stand-up exchanges. But obviously I would love to knock him out or submitted him.
3: Now, now, Jake, obviously you're taking on Damian Maya next, and, and everybody knows, you know, Damian's credentials on the ground. Um, you know, the guys that we've seen have success against him in the UFC, the likes of Chris Weidman and Munoz, haven't been scared to take him to the ground, and the guys who seem to fear that are the ones that get caught up and lose. Do you think that's a big part of trying to beat someone like Damian Meyer?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I agree. Personally, I want to take this and make it a ground fight. I mean, you already know where a fight's going to go. I mean, I've got my stand-up ready, too, but I want to go and put the pressure on him, take him down, and, uh, and I want to try to submit him. You know, I going to try to pass the guard and go up for submissions and, uh, and and do what I do. And I'm hoping Damian Maia is going to do the same and welcome uh, ground exchange.
3: Yeah, now, you know, you're, you're going to Damien Maia's backyard in Brazil. We have saw you fighting enemy territory in the past. You know, you went to Canada and took on GSP. You can't get really big on that. What's that like? What's it like to go into someone's backyard and fight them there?
1: Um. You know, Canada wasn't too bad. Just, like, overall, the Canadians are pretty, uh, pretty friendly. And Canada is, you know, it seems so similar to the U.S. Like, all the culture, everything, the food, the restaurants, everything seems almost like the U.S., so it's not that bad. But I feel like... Uh, it was a little different, a little more hostile. The environment a little different. It, feels, it definitely feels like war with foreign country. So I can't say I'm looking forward to it, but it's, uh, you know, it's, part of it. it's part of the job. I can't pick and choose where I fight.
2: <laughs> now, if you look at the UFC rankings, which, which um, I have, uh, Maya's ranked at number four in the welterweight division, and yet you're nowhere to be found on there right now. Um, what are your thoughts on the rankings themselves, and do you ever wonder what the heck the media's thinking when they're uh, putting these rankings out?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's really weird considering I've beaten so many guys in the top rankings. You know, I'm not quite sure why I don't rank there, but it's, uh, you know, it's not something I worry about too much. I just go out there and worry about winning the fight and I know I can go out there and beat Damian Maya. And then possibly, if I beat him, I'll break the top ten, but who knows? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the guy, yeah, because Maya just got into the welterweight division three fights ago, I believe, and and he's ranked in the division, and, and you're not. It, it just sort of boggles yeah, my mind.
1: And I'm beat, yeah, and I've definitely beaten you know, beating so many guys in, in the rankings, so it's kind of weird, but like I said, it's not something I worry about.
2: Exactly. Now, we saw a photo of uh, you posted in August um, that you got the chance to train with the legendary Hicks and Gracie. What was that like?
1: That was awesome. He's a guy I've looked up to for years. You know, I think he's uh, the best youth guy of his generation. to so a chance to train with him and pick his brain and learn oh, things. Definitely, he was just amazing.
3: Definitely. He's definitely somebody who has a, a bit of an aura around him. Whenever anybody mentions Hickson's name, you know, people seem to tremble at the yes, idea. So I imagine that's an experience. Uh, just to yeah. pick up on, what, on something we were talking about just before, Jake. You know, we were talking, Damien's come down, He's he's got ranked. um, it seems like, well, it's kind of going through a change of God. You know, guys who are in that top five for a long time, like John Fitch and Koscheck are slipping out, and we're getting guys like Hendricks and Rory Macdonald coming, and Damian Meyer and people like that. When you're looking on the outside, looking in at, you know, potential fights, does that excite you when you see all these new guys coming in?
1: Oh uh, yeah, you know I love new fights. You know I want to go out there right now. Right now, Jamie Myers, my mind, but I'd love to go out there and uh, take him out. And then you know, yeah, fight someone like Rory McDonald or Hendricks or, uh, or or rematch uh, Carlos Condit. There's so many great fights out there. But I'm hoping to get through this one and then fight someone uh, someone else ranked in the top five.
3: Definitely, and you know, 170 is a, a very good division. You know, we saw you briefly step back up to, to 185 to fight Herman. You're back down at 170. Does that mean 185s now? dead in the water or if the right fight comes along would you be interested
1: yeah i, I would go up but overall those guys are so big i think i just take more at 170s you know i'm weighing i'm at 183 this morning and those 85 pounds are coming down from like 210 pounds they're just so big and you know i feel that yeah you, you, feel, you feel the weight difference so overall the one seventy is a better weight for me but for yeah I'll, I'll move up for the right fight
2: now we 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 know your good buddy and teammate gilbert melendez has a fight coming up as well um is it, is it always good to have someone in your camp to train with who has a big fight coming up? And how is he looking? Yeah,
1: yeah no, it's great. And, uh, you know, I train along through this fight, push each other. The only downside, we haven't sparred as much because we're both fighting southpaws and we're both both conventional, so we're sparring a lot of other people. But he's looking great. I mean, he's, uh, he's ready to go out there and I'm excited for his fight. I'll be out there in uh, Texas with him. Unfortunately, he's not going to be able to come to Brazil because he's got to stay here and prepare for his fight.
2: Just two more questions here for you, Jake, before we let you go. We know you have to get on yeah. to training, but um dream scenario, you finish Damian Maya. Where do you think a win puts you in the title hunt at hundred and seventy pounds?
1: I would think it put me uh one fight away from a title fight. You know, I feel like if Maya wins, he probably gets the next shot. So I would try to fight someone uh you know, like Warren McDonald or Carlos Condon and hope to get a title shot. But you know, you, you never really know. There's just so many variables and factors. It's just uh you never know what's gonna happen in the sport.
2: Well, one thing we do know is that in November, well, hopefully it happens. George St. Pierre is set to face Johnny Hendricks. How do you see that fight going down? Because a lot of people are picking the underdog to to dethrone George St. Pierre.
1: It's a really good fight, and I think Hendricks—you know—he could win with a big knockout. But overall, I think GSP is so, uh, so so athletic and so smart put his game plans together. I think he'll be able to stay away, you know, pick pick it apart with a jab, start getting some takedowns, and uh, Hendricks will get a little tired. I think mean, people start picking him apart later on.
2: He is Jake Shields. He's taking on Damian Maia at UFC Fight Night 29 in Brazil. Jake, thanks a lot for taking the time to do this, man, and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe and any sponsors you want to give shout-outs to.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm on that uh, Jake Shields uh Jake Shields ADZ for Twitter you know I'm on uh, Jake Shields on uh, Instagram and thank my sponsors Ibusa, TRX and everyone else and thank my team of course
2: Jake it's been a pleasure thanks a lot and uh, good luck in Brazil Cool, for, guys. As we said, this has been a main event show. Uh, Jake Shields taking on Damian Maya in the main event at UFC in Brazil.
3: Um, that should be a fun
2: little tussle, I think.
3: Yeah, and you know, it it could be one of the best grappling fights that we've ever seen. It could be one of the sloppiest kickboxing fights we've ever seen. But you know, I, I'm always of the opinion that. When you've got guys of that high level, you know, Jake Shields, a lot of people look down on him. He's a hell of a fighter. You know, his, his resume is up there with some of the best. Well, if you
2: had to put your neck out there, who would you pick in that fight?
3: Um, you know, after, after speaking to Jake, I kind of think he's very confident in this. That he's got some kind of plan in mind. But with it being in Brazil and Jake not necessarily being known as a, as a one-punch knockout kind of guy, it's hard not to favor Damian Meyer in that fight. For
2: sure. Well, as we said, this Friday night, we got MFC 38. Our first guest, Anthony Berchak, will be fighting on that card, but we've also got Bellator 102. Um, Anything on the Bellator card that that sort of gets on your mind?
3: Well, if, like me, you like sloppy heavyweight fights, then Bellator 102 is the card for you this week. You know, we've got... We've got Czech Congo fighting Mark Godbier, or goodbier or whatever. You know, Bellator picked up somebody from the local supermarket there for Czech Congo to come in and get his first win, and that's one of the semifinals. And then on the other side, we've got LeVar Johnson, you know, as if it wasn't enough that he somehow got in the UFC. He's now got a Bellator contract. He's fighting Vinicius Queros, And, you know, this is how bad Bellator's heavyweight division is. Vinicius Queros. Fought in the UFC once and got rear choked by everyone's favorite British heavyweight, Rob Bruden. So, if you want to see high-level heavyweight fighting, Bellator's your place this week. Yours, that
2: sounded like a great infomercial, why not to watch Bellator. <laughs> you you seemed like you were just holding yourself back from breaking out in laughter.
3: Well, you know, let's see those fights first because... uh I'm not expecting anything big, but if they can try and put together a final, that's LaVar Johnson and Chek Congo, you know, I'm actually probably excited to see that because when Congo does get knocked out, it's usually in brutal fashion, and if there is one thing that LaVar Johnson's good at, it's knocking people out in brutal fashion, so let's have a look at yeah, that one. Yeah,
2: well, if, if that's the route they're trying to go, then it works, but... This past week, Bellator 101 didn't go the way they had planned because all their favorites ended up losing.
3: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's that's the rule of the dice you sometimes take when you've brought in good, talented young fighters. You know, Will Brooks looked fantastic. Uh, probably the best I've seen him, to be fair. Um, John Alessio has always been tough, man. He got dominated. You know, dominated more than some of these UFC guys did to, to Alessio. So that was interesting, but... You know, the I'm, I want to be the first one to say this, and I know you'll probably back me up. I want to kind of start a Facebook campaign for Marcus Davis to retire.
2: Yeah, I think it's about his time. He loves fighting, um, but fighting doesn't seem to love him.
3: Yeah, well, I used to love playing hide-and-seek when I was 12. I would still like to play it now, but there comes a time when you have to draw a line in the sand and realize stuff's not acceptable when you get old. <laughs>
2: Well, we also spoke MFC 38, um, Anthony Burchak, Tito Jones in the main event. Uh, also on that card, we got Smilin' Sam Alvey, former tough contestant, taking on Jason South. And heavyweight Smolino Rama, which is one of my favorite names to say, taking on Anthony Hamilton. <laughs> Smolino Rama is probably the number one heavyweight ranked in Canada. Um, so those three fights were the three that that were up for nominations for fan votes in order to get the main event, and yeah. Anthony Burchak ended up taking it home. So it's a pretty fun fight card, MFC 38. If you get Access TV, you'll have a chance to watch it. Unfortunately, I know you in the UK don't, and unfortunately us in Canada, even though MFC is based in Canada, we don't get that channel either.
3: Well, that That sounds a bit crazy, but... You know, I have to say after interviewing Anthony Berchak, I hope he goes in there, wins impressively because, you know, out of all the people that we've interviewed and, and you know, not just together, separately, he's one of the, most, the funniest guys that we've ever spoken to. Yeah,
2: funniest, enthusiastic. He, he was just gung-ho. Yeah. It didn't even matter that he had a fight going on. I think he'd be fun to talk to just walking down the street.
3: Yeah, you know, he was so uplifting that after we got done speaking to him, I kind of felt like I should stand up, do some star jumps. You know, I kind of felt like you are in some kind of fitness camp because he's so motivational. But we we'll definitely have to have him on a game because even if it's just to talk about some random fights and not necessarily a fight for him coming up. Yeah,
2: exactly. Well, enough of us talking. As we said, we have a contest this week. Let us know if... Jake Shields is done at 185. Simply send us a direct message on Twitter. Send us a direct message on Facebook. Somehow get the word out to myself or Ian, and we'll choose a winner for these Rev Gear gloves. Um, we'd like to thank our guest, Anthony Burchak, as well as Jake Shields. Thank our musical guest, you know, the guy who's playing the music for us on uh, this week's show, Edgar Penship or pen work i mean not penship edgar pen work <laughs> and uh you can find his music audiomac.com slash artist slash edge help this guy out obviously thanks to you ian
3: well thank, thanks to you as well jeremy for a delightful show
2: <laughs> and with that we will bid you adieu
3: i don't think i was speeding was i weaving
2: or something
1: shut your mouth sir You know, if I were in uniform, I'd split your skull with the butt of this revolver faster than you could say police brutality. Well, officer, whatever it is I've done, I'm sure I can explain. Explain this, you sadistic bum. Oh, my God. You know what the penalty for animal cruelty is in this state. No, sir, I don't. Well, it's probably pretty stiff. Oh, you can't think I'd do this on purpose, sir. I Look, I I tied him to the rear bumper when I was packing the car. I, uh, it was very confusing. I must have forgot. I, I'm very sorry. I feel terrible. How do you think that little dog feels? Look, I told you I was sorry. It really was an accident. Yeah. Well, I guess I can buy that, sir. But it is a shame. I had a pooch like this one when, when I was a kid. Poor little guy. Probably kept up with you for a mile or so. Tough little mutt. Yeah.
0: I was afraid you'd get pulled over, Clark. You've been exceeding the speed limit for thousands of miles dad wasn't speeding the cop stopped us because dad forgot to he was speeding rusty no it wasn't mom
1: russ listen to your mother i was speeding i was driving like a maniac we can all be grateful to this man for stopping us you see kids are car- leak, sir i'm going back to get the rest of the carcass off the road thank you officer see you have a nice day